Hello and welcome to the final episode of season one of Grafana's Big Tent, the podcast all about the people, community, tools and tech around observability. I'm joined today by Tom Wilkie. Hello, Tom. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And you? Well, that you handled that question much better than uh, last time I asked you. Yes, I fluffed it up one time, um, which uh, hopefully I uh, won't do again. We're also joined by Matt Tolbach. Hello, Matt. Hey, Matt. What's your favorite thing? Oh, it's, it's you. It's questions that put me on the spot on stage in front of hundreds of people. Mm. Uh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> how are you doing, Matt? I'm great. I don't know how are you doing, Matt. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> you, you put me back in this place of being on stage, and all of a sudden, all I saw was the spotlights and people just waiting for an interesting answer. And I blew it. No, you didn't. I loved your answer. It got a, uh, it got a good reception. People agree with you that coffee is a great thing. <laughs> I, d- I, touched, I touched on this very human connection of just abject terror. And everyone was like, ah, oh, I feel that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's everyone's worst nightmare, but it was happening to somebody else. So <laughs> it's fine. We're here. Yeah, we made it. End of season one. We did it. I think if you can't tell already, this podcast is going to be about self-referential uh, podcast back to previous episodes. Yeah, it's like a retrospective, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Why did we agree to do this, and what are we going to not screw up next time? Yeah, that's it. That's what it's all about, isn't it, when we learn? What did we learn doing this? It was uh, quite a ride. It's hard work. Mm. Harder than you thought. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Finding, carving out time to record them. It's hard, right, you know? We're all very busy. Yeah, that's true. We started this project back in December last year. That's wow. right. I thought it was easier to find the time and harder to find interesting people. And it's not because there isn't interesting people everywhere, but trying to assemble it into an episode and that there would be enough content and make it worth it for someone to listen to. That's where I got, you know, we got hung up because we're like, oh, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. You know, but what fills the time in a way that's useful? And then also, how do they all kind of fit together? And I think it was Big Tent. I think in a way is awesome because it's, it is huge and everything is kind of covered under it. But then how do we know what someone expects when they're going to listen to it? Yeah. And it's like, also people, people, when you ask them, do you want to be on a podcast? They, they, it fills them with terror. Like it just sounds like, because everyone thinks, oh, I have nothing interesting to say. Right. Um, or I'm going to say something and make a fool of myself. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just opened up myself up there for some banter. Tom, do you want to take the opportunity? Uh, I, I, I don't really need to highlight that. Uh, I think yeah. you'll do that yourself. The prosecution rests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Like, part of my job, like, when I do podcasts is sometimes to say the stupid thing. And it, uh, and you just notice everyone just relaxes. It's like, they've not, they're not going to say anything worse than that. So they can have a good time now. I think we had some great guests. Like, I think the... Uh, what did we, Frederick, back in January, um, and Matthias shortly after that? Say how, how useful and interesting. I do remember how to pronounce his last name, Branchik. That's what I remember most about that episode, is how to pronounce Frederick's last name. That's probably that's uh, probably not what he wanted us to take away from that episode. <laughs> no, we've had some great guests. Hold on. January, continuous profiling, we touched on it, and it's kind of an early thing. What's happened? Like, What's our perception here about where continuous profiling is in the world of observability now, eight months later? I mean, it's still early, but it's definitely, uh, I know Polar Signals, right? Frederick's company's made a huge, huge amount of progress. Yeah. yeah. You know, quite a, quite a big, big hit at KubeCon a few months ago. Yeah. We're using it internally. It's definitely uh, helpful for some, some of the problems we've got. Do you have to convince people internally here? 
to use it? I mean, or do you roll with an iron fist? <laughs> Neither, right? Like, uh, <laughs> if you had to convince them to use it, then you know they're not they're not going to come back to it if they had took cajoling. No, more like more like we install it and we, you know, we use it and you know it starts in one team and and they show some usefulness and some. Uh, you know, some benefit from using it and other teams notice. And, it, you know, it kind of works virally internally. But tools live and die by their usefulness internally. And, and it's definitely proved useful. Yeah, that's something I like that, that we do a lot. And I think companies that do this, it, it is, it's, they, they get the benefits of this dog fooding. Like, it, you know, not forcing people to use something, but make it available. And you're really sort of like testing out those early whether those viral effects happen, like whether people are interested, whether it actually solves a real problem for them. If you're told like you have to now use this tool, then of course they're going to just start using it, whether they like it or not. So one of the things I like about our incident tool that um, that I'm working on with the squad is that we we just kind of made it available and we didn't tell anyone really to do it. And everyone just started using it, you know, because the benefits you get. And coming back to the podcast, that's one of the things, a recurring theme that I've really enjoyed in the podcast is all the references <laughs> that Matt makes to things that he's written or done. There was a great <laughs> reference to, uh, hold on a sec, let me, let me pull this one up because it was... Uh, Essentially, without me, no one writing Go code can be sure their code works. <laughs> I think that quote, that, that was the quote I was looking for. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Mr. Modesty here, um, you know, <laughs> strikes again. Well, you got it. If you don't tell people, then how are they going to know? This is genuinely my thing because naturally I don't. I'm not. I don't really? brag. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just when you put a mic in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was tongue in cheek, but yeah, like that is a thing, really. Like I often um, don't talk about stuff I've done, and then like Tom, you didn't even know I had a book. Is that? Do you have a book? <laughs> is that because people tease you about it when you do, Matt? No, I think honestly, it's. <laughs> I think it's a very British thing. It's very like you know not to show off. And and so we don't do it, do we? But yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Testify is great, though. Use it. I recommend. <laughs> I recommend it. It's written in JavaScript, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, for for the listeners, no, it's written in Go. I think one of the one of the other things that's that's worked really well over the past uh, over the past eight months, the editing, right, the change log. They've done such a good job in making us sound much more witty and funny and clever than we actually are in real life. Uh, yeah. This is the first time I've ever been professionally edited before, and wow, I'm, I'm not normally this good. You like edited Tom, don't you? I like, I like it when someone gets to take what I say and make me sound better and smarter. Do they do real-time services? Can I, yeah, can I have someone following me going? <laughs> what he actually meant to say was. <laughs> Just yeah. they, they remote mute you. It's like a little uh, seven-second delay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's so true. I mean, in natural conversation, like you talk over each other and uh, sometimes step on each other's toes or some people, you know, you start talking at the same time about something or you try and make the same point. And it, it takes quite a good amount of work to stitch it together properly so that you get this sort of seamless experience for the listener. Um, but it is that they so they're very obsessed with that. It's basically a user experience thing. You know, they want that to be as smooth as it can be. And we, we get the benefit of that. You know, the other thing is banter. And if you're at the pub or if you're just hanging out or even when we do the, the before we hit record, right? It's like, oh, it's all easy. It's this night you hit record. You're like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> what, 
we'll bleep that out for example. oh yeah we don't want to put we don't want to put the warning at the beginning <laughs> but it's just you know it feels so easy and so natural and then you hear it back and you're like oh it has to be tight it has to be it has to be funny and not all of us are built like that <laughs> matt you are <laughs> tom you are as well the uh I think my best banter was, yeah, the onstage Acrofana Fest. Matt, you turned to Matt and said, what's your favorite thing? <laughs> and I, I don't think it comes across in the, uh, in the cut, but there was a long, awkward pause. <laughs> yeah, it, I, honestly, because d- he didn't know I was going to ask that. It was just part of the intro. And he was sat right next to me on stage. And I, just, and I just asked him, what's your favorite thing? And I just looked and I could just see in his eyes, like his heartbreak. I could see the moment his heart broke. And I was just like, oh no, what have I done? It felt a little bit like that end of Interstellar where like I was just taken out into space and looking into all this. I was like, how do I? You're just behind the bookshelf? Yeah. What is? I don't know. Yeah. yeah well, you, and, you were close to a black hole and that's why it seemed like time was <laughs> going for so long. Yeah. But you, when you listen to it back, it's not that bad. Like, and you answered it great. You, you know, coffee. <laughs> well, it was a great answer. It was, it was the beginning of a long week. And I felt that that was helpful and delicious. Yeah, other beverages are available. Tip your bartender. Which was your favorite episode then? I personally really liked the one with Ed Welch when we were talking about logs because it was packed full of actionable, like, knowledge for me. Like, you know, for example, I used to, I used to think logging in JSON was really clever because it's structured and, you know, you can you can query it later properly but ed's point he makes the point that it's it's not it's not so human readable and also encourages you to do more complicated things than you should in the logs uh, which i think is a very good point i've got a clip for it if you want to hear it business intelligence right like trying to know the number of orders that we processed that succeeded or failed or generating metrics and things but there's an interesting crossroads here, right? Which is that logs are also human, you know, need to be human friendly, right? We have to go through from time to time and actually look through our logs. And this is where I, I kind of come at odds with, with JSON as a log format because it's not human readable. <laughs> it's, oh. it's, it's not, you know, and, and you can pretty print it, but what you've done is changed what was horizontal space for vertical space. And if you're trying to scroll through thousands of log lines, you've taken something that was one line and you've made it 400 lines or 20 lines, right? So it's, I, I actually don't, anyway, I think it's fine to log JSON. I'm not going to say don't log JSON because it's ubiquitous, right? And, you know, all of the logging tools work with it well. So definitely use JSON, use structured logs. But my only opinion here is keep the objects really simple. Like don't do complex nested JSON objects in your log lines. Keep them very, very flat. Yeah, and I think he's right. In fact, I would go as far as probably not using JSON now based on that, his advice. What, what would you use in, in, instead? Just probably something like LogFumpt or LogFMT, depending on how you want to say it. Yeah, I, I, I asked you because I wanted to hear how you said LogFumpt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. I'll just say Fumpt. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I don't even look embarrassed when I say it. How do you say uh, the command line tool for Kubernetes? Um, I think I say kubectl. Is it not cube cuddle? Well, what? In, maybe in an American accent. How would you say it, Matt? Cube cuddle. Yeah, you sort of say cuddle. Yeah, he says cuddle. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cute. cute, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For someone with lots of so many T's in their name, you, you say a surprisingly few amount of T's. What, his name's Mar, isn't it? I save him for the name. <laughs> his name's Mad. 
<laughs> the SLOs episode early on, I think that was only the third or fourth one. It's hard to remember which one we recorded because we, we did the first one as, as episode zero. Yeah, that's right. Zero band index. I got a big old bone to pick about this one. And I think I feel like the entire industry is fooling each other. I'm going to play. I want to play this and then I want to rant for a moment. That was interesting. The difference between SLA and SLO is whether like whether it's included in a contract, whether there's penalties or not. I know it's a bit kind of off topic for this, but what kind of, you know, what kind of penalties make it an SLA, I guess? Like what, what have you seen in, in, in these kind of contracts? I mean, I'm not making the contracts most of the time. Perhaps Tom knows more about that. <laughs> So just join me here for a second. So we have, if you listen to this episode, there's so much good stuff. So it's not this quote, but we have Bjorn, Tom, you were at Google, right? Google wrote the book on SRE, right? And widen the world to actually understand like what you need to be tracking, how you need to track it, right? Like how software has gotten much more complex, which means that it's not a single it is not a single up or down, right? And I think Bjorn said something about like like a power switch aside from different voltages and maybe some variations there, but it's not a power switch. And then you have contract folks, right? And you have the business who is now, despite progress in all this, continuing to sign multi-million dollar deals on SLAs. And then it's almost like they're just sitting there and they sit across the table from each other and go, 99? And someone else goes, 99.1, right? <laughs> or 99.99999, you go, oh, you got me, all right. But then it's bullshit. It's it's. I see. I caught myself. It's nonsense. It's non. It's nonsense, right? Because then, if anything happens, both people feel like they have a leg to stand on to argue with each other. And meanwhile, the SREs are sitting in the background saying, "I told you not to do this. This is nonsense." So, tell me, what do we do? Yeah, so we, I mean, we won't agree. Like, I won't agree to a particularly high SLA in a contract because, to your point, like we can't meet arbitrarily high SLAs. Um, there are things we can do, and for customers that do have different SLAs, we do tend to, like, for instance, move them to the end of our deployment rollout schedule, right? And so the chance of them getting hit with a new bug, you know, introduced by a rollout is lower, you know, the further down the deployment schedule you are. So we can do some things to, you know, almost all of our outages is caused by us deploying changes, right? So we can, you know, we can mitigate those to a certain extent, you know, Customers, you know, we do see one interesting thing, right? When customers come to us, nope, got to be six nines, got to be five nines. Well, we can't deliver that in a single region, right? Because we don't get the same kind of SLA from our providers, from our infrastructure providers. And so it is a useful conversation because once you tease that out as an actual business need for them that they're willing to pay for, then we design an architecture, you know, i.e. we deploy them in multiple regions and it costs them twice, three times as much. Like, so there are some uses for that, but yeah, like the general, oh, you know, we've had, we've had customers that have come to us and said, ah, but every one of our suppliers gives us a better SLA than they give anyone else. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call BS on that. Like, uh, it's not really true. Um, can I say yeah, BS? Yeah. That's why that exists. I'm going to call nonsense on that. Yeah. Yeah. Nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. Like, uh, so we do, you know, we do various things, but I do in general agree. The other thing, you know, it's not just that, right? The number of times in a agreement someone's asked for an uptime SLA. This is my pet peeve. If, if you want to see me get riled up, talk about uptime SLAs. Tom, what do you think about uptime SLAs? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we want to see him get riled up. <laughs> How do you measure uptime? Like, we, we, we operate a SaaS service, right? It responds to requests. If, if you don't send it a request in a given unit of time, was it up or not? Does it even matter? Tree falls in the woods type thing, right? 
<laughs> so um, we, we try and offer customers a request-based SLO, saying SLA, like we will respond to this proportion of requests successfully. We feel like we're doing the customer-friendly thing. Like we feel like we're giving them something that's measurable and impactful and meaningful. Uh, and customers come back and say, can we have an uptime SLA, please? I'm like, but, but it doesn't mean anything. An uptime SLA can be defined in terms of a, a request response SLA. Like you can say, you know, five minute windows, you must respond to a certain number of requests successfully and then you count as up. That's why we just want to give you a request-based SLA. But I feel like to a certain extent, you can't tell people what they should care about. Like you just have to meet them where they are. Yeah, my issue is that I don't think they care about it. I think they, you know, meeting them where they are, it's just the, it's the mutually agreed upon right thing that you're supposed to ask for and that you're supposed to battle do battle over and then people just you know take it and be like 100 because and in a way i almost i almost respect it more because they're basically saying like i call your bluff nothing matters <laughs> <laughs> the people that ask for particularly high slas you know what i what i would never do or what i would like you know i'll leave before we ever agree to this is like agree to an sla we know we can't meet and just be willing to pay credits when when we don't meet it, right? I would would never do that. I think that's that's borderline. It just becomes like a tax. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of borderline improper. And and so you know, I'm, I always push back against any suggestion that like, oh, why not just agree to four nines and then give them the credits when you don't meet it? You know, and in a lot of situations, it it would work out economically to do that. Would you go the other side and like get very specific and just put a buffer on all the things that you care about and are tracking? So like all the things we talked about that episode, right? And the error budgets and the this and the that, basically that you would have an appendix that was four pages long and that you just give the person. The things that are excluded. We've talked to, you know, I don't want to name names um, because that would make it even more fun. But like we've talked about with certain providers where maybe there's platform issues that we can't work around. We've talked about just passing them on to our customers in in that kind of addendum. But honestly, that's not being very customer friendly either. And, and the whole, our whole job here is to work around platform issues. That's right. Like the decisions that we make on how to deliver the service, right? Like our, our decisions. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the difference, right? We are not a hosting provider. We're a SaaS company, right? And and if we were a hosting provider, I feel like you would just pass on platform issues. But no, no, we would never do that. But the interesting one is I do feel the I do feel like we could offer a worse SLA for some customers in return for a cheaper service. Like I think there are people out there who would look for something that's more cost effective but maybe slightly less reliable and this is where like i think maybe we could you know we run all our services with replication factor three so that we can survive machine failures but honestly we see very small number of machine failures so like why not run the services with replication factor one when there is a machine failure we have an outage but design it so that our sla is still covered like would you accept a 95 percent sla in that situation for a third of the price I would consider that if the buyer was the user in in that way or that, you know, like, because if the one, let's say you play it out and the person who's making the decision has budgets that are getting pinched, they say yes, and they're going to roll the dice. But then if it goes down, that still reflects poorly on, on whoever the vendor is, right? It reflects poorly on you. And I just, I, I don't see a world in which that's, yeah. And they're like, well, Tom said, <laughs> uh, but it's, I don't know, it's, but it's tricky. I, I know what you mean. Like as if you, if you're the one taking on the risk yourself, then you're like, all right, fine. You know, this is not mission critical. Cool. I, I feel like we could make this whole episode a retrospective on the SLOs episode. So I think that tells us maybe season two, we should, we should revisit SLOs. Hey, I noticed that, that you two are wearing the same hat. I mean, again, another great conversation for a podcast, given that this is a <laughs> audio oh, format. Well, could you describe the hat? We could describe, well, it's a, it's a thing you put in your head. Oh. Um, it stops the sun or the rain from from falling on your skin. In Matt and I's situation, falling on our 
massively receding hairlines. Can't argue with that. But what I lack in hair, I more than make up for in forehead. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, Matt? Why, Matt? Is your you know, I'm not I'm not going to let that one slide. By the way, why is your hat white and why is Matt and I's hat black? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you don't. It's not because I thought you were going to use this as an opportunity to remind the audience that you won one of our hackathons internally. But is that what it is? If you win, you get the white hat. I assume it must be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know for sure though. Do you not remember the the hackathon episode where where we discuss the color of the hat you win in detail? Or was that cut from the episode? I mean, I'll, if if this hat is special because I won a hackathon, I'm going to be wearing it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I had a manager once who wanted there to be no bugs in the code. He wasn't a technical person, but it's just decided, you know, a bit like how we have the lawyers saying they want these 100% SLAs. Um, he wanted basically no bugs and no errors. And, you know, this was kind of like quite interesting when with Bjorn in that same episode, we started talking about error budgets. Because I think that is interesting that we actually, in the real world, errors happen, things go wrong. If you optimize them all out and end up with like the perfectly stable system, you then you're stuck with it. You sort of can't really innovate on it. So yeah, you can't take any risk. So I like that the error budget admits realities that we face, which is, yeah, it's, it's risky. Building software is hard. We still want to be able to do things because that's how we make it better. You know, and therefore we need to have some kind of error budgets. Check out this clip. So we talked a bit earlier about error budgets. Can we dig into that a little bit? What is an error budget? Yeah, I mean, an error budget is, if you want, an inverted SLO, right? It's, or let's say if you have a specific kind of SLO, which is based on error rates or success rates, let's phrase it in the positive way, you you promise you, the customer you will serve 99.9% .9 of your requests correctly and in time, uh, then the in inverse of that, the 0.1% you have left is your error budget. And now you need a kind of billing period, which usually if you have an SLA is nicely formulated in your contract. If you, if you just have users that come and go, uh, because you serve like a free product that, that just makes money with ads or something. It's not that formalized, but you might still want to have like some billing period, which is often a month, right? Often you say within a month, I will serve you 99.9% .9 of the requests correctly and in time. So your error budget is 0.1%. And then you get into this idea that you burn your error budget. If you have an outage one week into the month and a certain number of requests has, has fa have failed, then you know you have burned whatever 20% of your hour budget, but you are also already 25% into the month. So that's kind of fine, right? You you burn your hour budget at the right rate, <laughs> and then if you if you burn it too quickly, you can start to say, okay, let's let's act a bit more cautiously. Let's not do this risky new feature launch this month. I mean, it's a bit artificial that you have this monthly boundary, but sometimes that's literally in your contract. Uh, you could do some floating thing if you want, but I mean, it's also not, it's not about precise numbers here. It's about getting the broad balance, right? I mean, if you, if you have to reimburse your customer because you're in breach of your SLA, it's a different thing. But from the developer perspective and this whole balancing between the ops people that always want stability and the devs who always want to push new features, uh, that's a very useful tool. Yeah, I think that's a really kind of, oh, hang on. Oh, I've not been, I didn't press record. I haven't been recording this. You're shitting, right? Oh, yeah, I'm joking. Okay. But oh, that my did God. happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that did happen, didn't it? 
Oh, <laughs> I, was I was I was ready to lose lose my face. Stress. So. Yeah, <laughs> I was like looking at looking at the clock, thinking we've we've not got a lot of time left to record the rest of this episode. Yeah, that was a joke, but that really did happen on our hackathons project uh, episode, didn't it? It was the best episode, <laughs> just sadly. Which was the unrecorded, the unreleased tapes of the hackathon. That was the best one. Yeah. When we when we re-released it and repeated all the jokes, didn't, didn't quite have the same uh, same punch. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, the first time we went through it, just improvising, and and then like people came up with really funny things, and then the the second time through it, because we had to just repeat it. People were just stealing each other's jokes. <laughs> Ash stole one of my jokes, and in in the thing you hear me say, "Good, that's a good joke, Ash." <laughs> that's why, because it was my joke in the in the first take. <laughs> that was uh, that was a really good episode. That was so we we experimented with different things. One one guest, two guests. I think that was the only episode where we had three guests, mm. and it worked pretty well. But it's like it's it's difficult to know who should talk when when there's so many people. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things we've de- I've definitely learned one guest is kind of one guest two two kind of interviewers works really well two and two works well as well but yeah two and three maybe not I did an internal one for picking up the season two of internal with the different leads of the community calls so like tempo Loki Grafana Mamir, like whatever like the whole thing and it was just and then also the agent and it was just too many. Right, it just went in the other side because literally no one knew how to talk. There was no banter. There was no established banter. People didn't know how to bounce off each other, and I think people were a little bit more nervous about mm. what they were saying because live they didn't want to say something that was, I don't know, that wasn't maybe it was an unpopular opinion, not too unpopular opinions, but you know what I mean. Like it, it just it, it didn't work quite as well. And that's that's something unpopular opinions, right? That's something that died quite quickly. We in so for those who aren't aware, Matt. Um, our co-host also hosts another podcast, which he only plugs once every few episodes. And uh, on that podcast, <laughs> I didn't bring it up this time. I thought I'd save you, save you from having to do it, Matt. Um, <laughs> they on that they have an unpopular opinions, like a regular segment, right? That that appears in every episode. We tried to introduce that at the beginning of the season with your favorite dashboard segment. Describe your favorite <laughs> dashboard, <laughs> where where one has to describe their their favorite dashboard, because again, it's a podcast. Yeah, that only lasted one episode, I think. That's a shame because I loved that idea. And yeah, and that's it. You've got to be able to fail. Like, and this is the thing, making people comfortable enough so that you can try things, take risks. It's like you need an error budget. You need an error budget for <laughs> podcast ideas too. <laughs> for life. For life, yeah. You do, you have to. Like genuinely, if you're too cautious, you won't be able to, like you, you tie yourselves in knots. If you only ever do things the way everyone's always done them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a recipe for for innovating and and pushing the boundaries and stuff. So yeah, I think being like allowing things to fail, taking it on the chin, owning it, you know, I think that's very healthy. And allowing people to do, you know, giving people the freedom to to do what they want to do and do it the way they want to do it. And for instance, reading off the notes that you've made before the uh, recording to uh, kind of set someone up for the next thing. <laughs> I did like that bit on the hackathon episode where where Ash said at the beginning. What did he say? No, I'm I'm losing it. But it was like allowing someone to do what they want to do the way they want to do it. But it was but it's like off either off vector, I think he said, or or like it's it's not directly aligned with the roadmap. Basically it's it's like shoot off wherever you want to shoot off to, right? And you have the time and space to do that. And I think that's cool. 
Yeah, that, that's the thing I like about the hackathons. And there's one coming up. There's another hackathon coming up at Grafana. And the, the, like, there's a spreadsheet of ideas. Anyone can just put any idea in and then others just add their names if they're interested. So you get this kind of... I thought you were going to say others just add their names next to it. And it's like stealing the joke, right? So one person <laughs> does all the work and you just go in and go, oh, yeah, that, that one. I want that one. Yeah, you can do that probably. <laughs> Shall I do that on one and see what happens? <laughs> get another white hat. <laughs> <laughs> i'll join every team that's one way to do it yeah but like it's sort of that self-organizing thing and not being too prescriptive about what you, what you're gonna do and some of the ideas are just great and it's usually things that are annoying them or things that they want to solve but they just haven't had time to do it so i think that's really great I, that's why i really like the hackathons there is i also think that there's so much to be said for like what it opens up after that right so i don't remember who but it, there was a project that was almost like a like a real time RPG within Grafana, right? It wasn't the, it wasn't the Doomfana, right? But it was like this real time RPG, and I watched it and was like, oh, this is really cool. But then I was thinking, I was like, I was like, oh, this is like the beginnings. This is laying groundwork for like real time collaboration in a dashboard in a remote work environment, right? Like that's what I saw seeing through that. And I hope I hope that you know, other people saw that. And then like the next hackathon or the, like, there's another idea that grows out of now this whole kind of tilled area that didn't exist before. So that's where I think it, it might take two or three iterations for something to, to grow out of it. Right. But it's just like, why not? Right. Like it's how'd this start? And you're like real-time RPG. <laughs> you're like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about this spirit of borrowing ideas and like, it, no one's going to be upset if someone does a project that is what their idea is, but different or often a different angle or or just done in a different way or may, hopefully better. Like that's really the spirit of it and, and sort of borrowing from each other's ideas. You know, like I, I have no idea what the sort of quality of the presentations are going to be this time because, you know, I know that, that, you know, the standard gets set each time and it's just, you know, so I don't know, but my advice is to do something different don't you know it's, we're not going to beat someone did a professional video editor did an actual like amazing presentation and no one's going to beat that at video editing so but you have to do something else come at it from a different angle <laughs> otherwise yeah there's no chance i'm excited to see what comes up in the next uh, hackathon actually because uh, it's been it's been six months since the last one uh, we took a we took a break. We took a quarter off because of Grafana Con and Grafana Fest and all of the events going on in the uh, in the org. So, yeah, I'm kind of I think there's going to be a lot of pent up demand to. I think so too. You know, one of the things that I wanted to call back to in an episode that I really liked was with Nyana Shetty from the Lego Group, and I want to play this little clip. Shift left and uh, test early, like uh, release as small as possible and continuous iterations and stuff. So all of this, I think, kind of leads to that point of like, how do you make your future better? Like, And one of the quotes I have often used is being kind to your future self. Like, how can you make your life easy in the future? So that th think about that today when you're building whatever you're building. And what I loved about this episode in particular, right, and that's such, it's such a great quote, right? And it feels like something you could repeat and remember <laughs> when you're making almost any decision, right? Like <laughs> any, any, good, any, any good software advice is probably good life advice too. But Nyana was, was different than a lot of the other episodes because she's a practitioner, right? And so she's the one that's taking and consuming all these things that we're talking about and figuring out how to adopt it, how to reconcile it with all the other stuff that exists and the platform, how to push these groups forward, right? It's those set of challenges, I think, are 
also massive. And I'm glad that that she came on to share her her perspective there. Um, but I, I just loved distilling it down to the behind your future self and just thinking like, how's that going to work? <laughs> like, what, what are you going to think of that? No, I think it's I think it's great. I think we we talk about it in terms of technical debt, like as software engineers, right? We say like, oh, yeah. you're adding a piece of technical debt here, and the debt's the key word there. You have to pay it back in the future, so you're you know you're kind of incurring a cost in the future, right? Which is not being kind to yourself, right? So I think the you know we have a, internally we have a term called organizational debt as well. When we kind of, you know, when we do something repeatedly, the manual hard way and like, oh, we probably should have a process for this. Like that's organizational debt. But I'd rather have a little bit of a little bit of technical debt and a little bit of organizational debt than over design and, and over engineer everything up front and, and, and then waste time and effort. So it's kind of a balance, right? I like that if you if you are choosing to take on that debt for a period of time because you know that you can get to the other side, it's like it's is there like a technical mortgage that you could take? I mean, it's a you know making it a conscious choice and a conscious like discussion of what you're doing and why you're doing it is the key here, right? Because it's when you accrue it without knowing, right? It's when you've developed a whole bunch of tech, you know, a software with with some technical debt that oh my, oh no, we've got to go and pay this down and we don't have time to pay it down. That's the that's when problems arise. Yeah, I think big upfront designs also kind of do that, where you are making too many decisions and you aren't giving your future selves the options that they might need. You're sort of tying it all up because it feels good because you feel like everything's solved. Yeah, solved it. Yeah, but it's it's not. You just painted yourself into a corner. Yeah, basically. And this happens to me in my normal life. Past Matt very often leaves work for me to do and it's do you know what I mean I'm like oh I hate him but I tell you I tell you as a sucker future Matt so I just leave it <laughs> he'll do him. anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> I wish Niano was here right so future be kind of future self etc but you also you have the individual and the individual is going to like change jobs and move to different organizations and then you have the company that or the or, or the team or the tech you know whatever I don't don't care about the company but the, the software which now has a much longer horizon than any individual how would you remix this a little bit to motivate the team to kind of be like, is it like be kind to the future team? Yeah, there's a bit of that. I think the, interestingly, like the intersection of this idea and DevOps, right? You know, so when there's a, a normal developer operations kind of split, like there's a lack of potentially a lack of empathy for the ops team, right? Which is the future team because they're the ones that are going to have to operate the thing you've built. But when you merge those two functions into one team, when you're like, no, everyone in Grafana Labs is responsible for running the code that they've written. I think it brings to the forefront the idea that, well, I'm going to be on the hook for the pager for this. You know, if it goes wrong, if it doesn't meet its SLAs and if it's kind of causing us issues and unreliable, I'm going to have to be the one who, who, who deals with that in a high stress situation. So, yeah, like aligning those incentives, making the team responsible for the building and the operations does kind of... I think, force them to an extent to consider their, the future team's kind of workload and burden. So um, like, I think that brings us kind of to the, to the final topic, right? What's, what's coming next? What's next for Big Ten? Mm. Yeah, well, what do, what do we think we could improve on? What didn't we get right? Like, what, what can we do better? Mm -hmm. I do think there, was, there wasn't enough tent jokes. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Tent pun. I, I, I pitched you a few temp puns before, but you didn't go for them. Oh, he's done one. That's good. That's good work. Save that for season two. <laughs> <laughs> that is intense. What a good joke. Oh, Matt. I think I like the Grafanistas that we had on here, but I really like the external guests too. And I want to make sure that we're, we're continuing to go wider and more and more other voices from like in the industry, but, you know, practitioners, people that are building new software, 
I really like that. I think it's just because it it shows how all this stuff really ties together to me. Yeah. And I want, I mean, I agree. I want to also get more Graffinistas on. I, I want both. So how do we, how do we get more external guests and more Graffinistas and have it not just be the three white men that it is presenting the, uh, the panel all mm. the time? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. The most diverse thing on the panel here is that one of us is called Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I'm not laughing at the joke. I'm laughing at the fact I've heard the joke five times. Yeah. It didn't make it into it did, we did it live and it got a good laugh, but didn't make it into the into the mix. So. We just what we just don't have recorded evidence of someone laughing at it. Yeah. Yeah. So someone hit the mute button on the recording just as everyone laughed. Yeah. No, I think it was just sort of out of respect. Everyone was just sat silent in sort of quiet contemplation. I think it was in awe of the of the pun yeah it's just really lovely it's a bit like how when i walk into a room people spray deodorant in the air sort of like a strange culture like <laughs> interesting it's just a respectful thing do you know what i mean bless them. Yep. <laughs> but no so i think i one one of the things i think we should do um i think we should open up the mc responsibilities to to more people like uh I'm looking forward to having different voices from within the company interview their kind of uh, favorite people from the industry. I think that could be really powerful. Yeah, there's some people that would do such a great job and they probably don't even know it yet. But yeah, so that's what we should do is really encourage those to to get on and run an episode and, and have the conversations. You know, when you met people in person on the off-sites or in the uh, on-sites or in the uh, Grafana Fest, like actually meeting people you realize like there's so many people have really interesting perspectives mm. they, they they speak very well they deliver it very clearly um and you and I, that especially for me i i keep thinking like oh you'd be great on a podcast that's kind of my default a lot of enthusiasm for it i think yeah i think a lot of people in in the company would step up and and host a few episodes but i'd like to hear from the audience like what would they like to mm. see who would they like to hear from yeah. Or topics that they'd like to discuss. Like uh, we have an email address, don't we? Yeah. It's big tent, all one word, at grafana.com. Grafana.com. It's, they're all all one word. No, no, it's big tent, all one word. That's the... That's the <laughs> you're going to have to register that now. My Wi-Fi password <laughs> is just all one word. <laughs> have you ever had a Wi-Fi password that is funny to you and then you have to tell it to someone else who visits <laughs> your house and it, and it immediately feels embarrassing? Yeah, I had a Wi-Fi network that was really slow, and I, the, the name of it was just the poop emoji. <laughs> so, then, but then, a, a, like, an electrician came around and had to connect. And I had to tell him, <laughs> "Oh, it's the it's the little poo." <laughs> it's embarrassing. Well, it's as well just as well he wasn't a plumber. <laughs> I have my uh, my Wi-Fi network is called uh, Tell My Wife I Love Her. Oh no, no, Tell My Wife I Love Her. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. It's not an original one. I read it somewhere. Yeah. I like uh, Pretty Fly for a Wi-Fi. I've seen that one a few times. Better than It Hurts When IP. <laughs> should, we, uh, should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Well, thanks very much. On the Wi-Fi jokes? I think that's a good, good time to end it. <laughs> Do we land the plane before that happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. And this wraps up season one i had a blast i had a great time so thank you very much matt are we going anywhere for season two are we going anywhere what do you mean like on holiday like are we will we be here when there's new voices that yeah oh yeah i'd we'll yeah. be around still yeah, yeah. we'll be here okay all right yeah 
I'd like to, I'd like to be. Uh, but again, write in if you really, if there's one of us in particular that you don't want one to hear us, more from. We were looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then email bigtent at grafana.com. They can probably do it on Twitter as well, right? They can, yep. They you can. can't email on Twitter, no. Oh, you can't? Oh. <laughs> yeah, at grafana would be a good way of getting in touch with us. Yeah, at grafana. Do hashtag Big Tent. That'd be good. You did say, I know you're trying to wrap up. Um, you did say <laughs> on site before, and we didn't have a clip from it, but I wanted to do a quick pitch for the episode that we did with Darren Murph, where we talked about off sites versus on sites. And there's a lot of really great content there. Like, I just enjoyed the conversation because we are now in this rapidly evolving hybrid work from home, remote only, remote first environments. And yeah, I think he has a, he has a lot of great perspective there. So listen to that one too. Yeah. Brilliant. And if you've got other ideas for subjects or people that you'd like to hear from, then let us know. We're all ears. Well, we're mostly ears. Well, that's it. That's that's the wrap for season one. Congratulations. It's been good. I've loved it. And, you know, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Um, join us for season two, which will be... We don't really do estimations, but Tom, when do you think season two is going to be out? Yeah, well, yeah. It will. There we go. Well, thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is the longest outro <laughs> ever, Matt. <laughs> you know how we said really, you know, I said really nice things about the editors. Yeah, that's why we say nice things. We're going to have to send even nicer things to them <laughs> for this episode. Go to them. Good news: we recorded forty-five hours, but we need to trim down to thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if there's even thirty minutes of content in here. <laughs> well, that was a good comment. Really, yeah, uh, killed the conversation. No, it's a good point for... We've got this link audio that sounds like this. <laughs> it's got bongos in it. Would it be good if you played that as I finished talking, not like, you know... Tom, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Future self will be edited. <laughs> <laughs> Great, now they're going to keep that in. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That would need that big gap. <laughs> and welcome to season two of the Big Gap Podcast. <laughs> joined with, joined by. Joined with would be a surgical procedure. <laughs> yeah. And normally people go the other way, but we just felt like it was right for us yeah. to become conjoined. <laughs> just share resources. Just by the little finger as well, just for awkwardity. Will season two have a new theme song? I was. I have that written here. I was going to ask. Mm. No, it's a classic now. We should do like a, a techno remix. Oh, remixes! It's like yeah. uh, the Wire. Every every season had the same song, but in a different way. Yeah. So we should open it out to people in Grafana because there's a lot of people that do music production and stuff as a hobby. And done. That would be great. Remixing for season two would be awesome. I can give them the stems. That's what we call it in the biz. Biz is what we call business in the biz. Is that the weed? <laughs> no, it's the stems. The <laughs> I, I prefer the seeds. It's the, uh, it, it, they're, they're each audio tracks separately so that it's easier for mixers and things to chop up and edit.
when I was listening to the, the recaps or when I was listening back to the episodes to, for this episode, I did it at 2x. And listening to the theme song at <laughs> 2x is really fun because it's like, bow, 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 bow. gets pretty rock and roll quick. It, it doesn't change the pitch. It's just, it's just faster. Is that right? Uh, and it changes the pitch too. Yeah. Oh, it does. So we do. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs>